It's another episode of Movies You Should Love with Lauren and Scott. All right, welcome to another episode of Movies You Should Love. I am Scott, and joining me as always is... Lauren. Yes, indeed. Uh, just so we, uh, as we introduce ourselves, this is Movies You Should Love. This is a podcast in which we analyze film and the film world. Uh, we pick movies apart, we discuss them, try to figure out what makes them work. Um, this uh, week, we're actually kind of taking a small break from movies, and we're going to discuss the MPAA and general rating systems. But before we do that, uh, just want to, like I said, welcome you to the podcast, and uh, we actually don't know where you're coming from. Maybe you found us on Twitter. Um, if you found us on Twitter... Um, we also have a Facebook page in which you should follow us, and we post a lot of information there. We also are on iTunes. Uh, find us there. Uh, subscribe, rate us, review us, and also we have moviesyoushouldlove.com. If you haven't seen our website, come by, check us out. We post a lot of articles there. We like to get conversations going there around the articles. So wherever you came from, check out whichever one you haven't seen yet. Um, we, ha- we try to create a presence at each of those places. Um, and like I said, to, uh, this week we're discussing uh, rating systems. Uh, but before that, uh, let's get into a couple of things that maybe that we've been reading or watching, or what have you been up to lately, Lauren? Oh, gosh. Um, well, mainly I have been working a lot, Scott. That is what I have been up to. Um, <laughs> but in between that, um, I feel like I've been saying that the last few podcasts. And there is nothing wrong with that. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to rule with that being a good thing. I'm going to continue to encourage that. Um, I have seen a couple of, of movies, um, as well as obviously been catching up on Mad Men for this season. And uh, Did you and, see this week's episode? Oh, yes, yes, good stuff. <laughs> and uh, Game of Thrones catching up on that as well. So, which, anyhow, good good times to be had on television, but uh, we've talked plenty about both of those sorts of things on this podcast. Uh, so some of the movies that I've been watching... Um, I think we both watched this one, weirdly enough. Um, but I think after our last podcast where we where we saw Modern Times, we were both uh, separately, without uh, <laughs> discussing it, yeah. inspired to go back and watch the Robert Downey Jr. biopic Chaplin, which yeah. is about Charlie Chaplin. And so, um, yeah. yeah Ke- Kelly had never seen it. And like you said, it's a, it's a movie I actually I own. And I hadn't seen it in a couple of years, and I was like, I kind of want to watch that again. I remember that being a really fun movie, and Kelly had never seen it, so we sat down night before last and uh, enjoyed it again. It's a, I, you know, I really like it, and I think it's really beautifully shot. Like I said, I think in the last podcast, it's directed by Richard Attenborough, who directed Gandhi. Um, really, really well done. Robert Downey Jr. is just phenomenal as Charlie Chaplin. Yeah, no, it's it's a really. Um, you know, it's it's really good both as a biopic and as a movie in and of itself. Like, it, it doesn't fall into some of the traps that a lot of biopics fall into. It's kind of the, I don't know, a lot of them kind of have to go through this arc of right. you know, tearing the character down at some point. And I'm not saying that Chaplin doesn't have his dark points in his life, but he never... He's never. It's, um, it starts darker. It kind of goes. Yeah. This is kind of the bad place he came from that inspired this character yeah. and this life's work. Yeah, it's truly less of a um, of a traditional storytelling character arc and more of just like a straight line of this is his life kind of. And and that's mm-hmm. weirdly kind of refreshing to get out of a biopic. Yeah, because um, that's not always what you get so anyhow yeah and he has he has a good life where you can pick and choose a lot of moments a lot of people and relationships to craft something like that out of i mean there's a couple moments that um it affected me kind of emotionally but kelly actually teared up a couple times um one's very specifically when he gets the studio for the first time and he walks into that big open Mm -hmm. tent like room kelly just gasped just at how gorgeous that shot was and just how amazing that moment is where it's both the realization of his dreams and the start of a new set of dreams basically like i've he always wanted his own film studio and now he has it Mm -hmm. and now he's gonna start making movies and at the very end again when it's um he's seeing the montage of movies he he has made over the years uh got teared up again it's a it's a really well done movie yeah yeah it's very good. Highly recommend it. Probably the best thing we're going to talk about all day. So um, <laughs> probably, uh, yeah. So this podcast has peaked early. But um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, guys, it's all downhill from here. Thanks for joining us. If you want to leave now, no, no problems. Check us out on iTunes, Facebook, or Twitter. <laughs> movies you should on Twitter. Movies you should love dot com. <laughs> movies you should on Facebook. Um. Anyhow, uh. Yeah. So something else that I watched. Um. I know I'm really late to the party on this one. Um. 
but I finally watched Woody Allen's Vicky Cristina Barcelona, um, and really liked it. It's, um, you know, it's, it's just kind of a lightweight sort of movie, um, in some ways, but it, it has kind of a deeper sort of theme to it of, of kind of this concept of, of what love is in a way. And, I don't know. It's it's kind of one of those love-centric stories that you can kind of only have in a fictional story because it 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 deals with love in this concept of kind of like some loves are best after they have ended because at that point that is when they can be truly romantic. Like when they can no longer work as a functioning love and they just turn into a romantic. The memory of the love is better than the actual right. love. And kind of the whole movie flows around that theme it's it's you know it's kind of this the sort of movie it's that's kind of the the arc that happens to all of the characters in it and that's kind of the arc that even you as the audience kind of are left with because the whole thing happens on a vacation it's a very long vacation kind of um but it's kind of it's kind of an ode to the vacation is what this movie is it's like it's like it's how you feel when you get done with a vacation going like man i'm glad i had those couple weeks couple months whatever it was Mm -hmm. there's this better thing out there maybe the memory of the vacation is actually a better thing than the vacation or um if not better then at least it's it's still kind of what you have at the end of it and it's you know you can there's a certain level of romanticism that you can now have about your vacation or whatever right. that that's kind of what the movie does is it just kind of yeah. it takes you to that place and you know it's it's both real and something you can kind of only do in a fiction fictional sort of story right i i saw that when it first came out on uh dvd and i remember it being not overly compelling like it was but it was very, very pleasant. Like the soundtrack, the characters, it kind of reminded me of a, a nice walk on a spring or early summer day where it's like, this is great. And I really enjoyed this, despite the fact that nothing too dramatic or exciting ever really happens. That's my memory of it anyway. But I did enjoy it as well. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I would say. It, you know, it has some content in it that just thematic content basically that not everyone's going to agree with so keep that in mind but um but yeah it's uh i found it quite enjoyable um yeah what have you been up to scott um well i had a day off work last week because i have a uh i have a trouble with my body creating uric acid and getting rid of uric acid and everybody's body does this but occasionally it builds up in my body and creates this thing called gout which is so much fun (laughs) and so i had a day off work uh in which i laid on the sofa and watched a lot of movies i'm not going to talk about them very in-depthly um i watched a movie called shame which is uh kind of a horrible great movie i would recommend to the right (laughs) person it's about michael fassbender is in Uh. it and, (laughs) and uh it's a movie about a man dealing with sexual addiction um it is not fun it is not a romp it is a movie about addiction. His just happens to be sexual. So, I mean, if go- going into it, this is a very hard R movie. You're going to see things. Um, and so it's not a very pleasant movie because it's... But that being said, it's kind of a movie I want other people to watch because it's a movie that demands a conversation. and Because it, it doesn't really have a real neat bow at the end of the movie going, and this is what ruined his life. Or, and then he got better. You know, it's like it ends, and you're like, I need to talk about, you know, it's like it makes you want to talk about it, which I think is really remarkable because I think you could have made a very different and lesser movie based on the idea of addiction. And I think there have been other and lesser movies. It's a good movie, but it is not pleasant. It is not fun. It's kind of a downer. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, shame. Uh, I think it's directed by Steve McQueen, not that Steve McQueen. Not the dead one? Uh, not the dead one. <laughs> not zombie Steve McQueen. <laughs> um, watched a movie called Another Earth, which is strangely similar to the movie Melancholia, which I talked about, um, in which this is a movie that early in the film we discover there is a second Earth. It has just kind of come out from around the other side of the sun. We never knew it was there. And from what we can tell, it is a mirror image direct duplicate of our Earth. We start they, The characters start calling it Earth 2. Um, as far as we can tell, it is such a duplicate that there is another you 
on that planet, hmm. living a life that may or may not be similar to yours. And so that is the concept, and that is a, I, the concept that it's kind of pushed into the background um, as we deal with this girl who, at the beginning of the film, this really isn't a spoiler, but at the beginning of the film, she's in a car accident that uh, she is responsible for, and that it, and she's also responsible for the death of two people. Hmm. Um, she, her life dramatically is altered due to this car accident, and she kind of a couple of years later kind of tries to find the people who she harmed that survived the accident and tries to make things better. And so that's really what the movie is about is her trying to make things better and trying to, uh, redeem herself. And so you, you have this concept of the second earth and you can take it very literally and kind of make the movie a bit of a sci-fi movie. Or I think that the intent that you can also go into this movie with is that Earth 2 is a metaphor for redemption, is a metaphor for a second chance. And it ends really interestingly, and again is another movie that I think is meant to elicit conversation. I really enjoyed it, but do kind of go into it knowing it is kind of a downbeat, uh, independent drama is really what it feels like. It's some really solid performances by a couple of character actors you'll probably recognize, but you won't know their names. I can't pull their names right now, but I recognize the, the main guy was in the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, which I really liked, but I don't remember his name. <laughs> anyway, um, good movie, um, but yeah, very interesting. Um, I also watched Margin Call, which is a... Um, it reminded me a lot of another movie I watched a couple years ago called Recount, which was an HBO film about the 2000 election this is a movie that kind of explores an investment bank over a 24-hour period during the early stages of the financial crisis um if you kind of want a dramatic <laughs> retelling of those of that moment or you want to kind of a, a look into the kind of people that caused the situation that took place mm-hmm. um back then it is really interesting some great actors kevin spacey zachary quinto uh, jeremy irons a lot of really great actors are in this um, doing a really good job, and it's a fascinating look into investment banking. Oh, Stanley Tucci's in this, and uh, Demi Moore. It's you know a really well crafted movie that you know kind of gives you a glimpse into <laughs> why we are still dealing with some of the things we are still dealing with in our economy and in our politics. Mm-hmm. Pretty interesting. Um, and then I read two books. Uh, One is a graphic novel um, called Friends with Boys by Faith Erin Hicks. She wrote and drew it. I'll post a link to it. If you go to friendswithboys.com, you can read the first 20 pages of this uh, graphic novel for free. Um, It kind of fills a void that Scott Pilgrim left. If anybody read or watched the movie uh, Scott Pilgrim or read the books, it has a similar kind of fun drama slash comedy approach to life. It doesn't have the video game influence that Scott Pilgrim did, but I kind of feel like if you like one, you'll like the other. It's about a girl who um, is going to high school. I think it's I think it's high school. I think she's a freshman and it's her first time ever going to school. She's been homeschooled up to this point. And so she's and she's got like four brothers who are annoying and hilarious. And she's also haunted by the an eighteenth century ghost which is kind of fun. (laughs) Who isn't really? Yeah, exactly. It's like she lives in this little town and it's, it's a fun book. It's really easy to, it's really easy reading. You fly through it. Beautiful art. Um, and then I listened to nerd do well by Simon Pegg, um, who you might know from the mission impossible movies or the star Trek movies or the television show spaced or Shaun of the dead. Um, you've seen the movie adaptation. Right? Yes, yes, I have. So, adaptation did this hilarious thing where the writer of the movie was trying to adapt a book. The Orchid Thief. Right. And so, <laughs> yes, he's trying to adapt that. And so, the movie becomes about the process of adaptation, about how he can't make this story work. And so, you see the writer, and then you also see the story he's telling, and then the story becomes the movie, and that's the book Nerd Do Well. It's like it's Simon Pegg basically writing about how the people want him to write an autobiography, but how he doesn't. And he doesn't really have time to do this because he's an international spy with a robot butler. <laughs> <laughs> and so like the chapters alternate back and forth between like real life auto- 
autobiographical moments at Simon Pegg, international, you know, spy and uh, amazing lover and all of these things. It's, it's like one part James Bond, one part pa- just absolute parody of action movies. Nice. And then it's also an autobiography of, you know, Simon Pegg, the guy who kind of grew up in Scotland and England and, you know, somehow has made it into all of these movies and franchises that he adored as a child. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's a short book. The auto, the, if you get, I got it on Audible. Um, it's a really fun listen because he reads it as well and he provides wonderful voices and character moments and is, it's a, <laughs> it was a very pleasant surprise. It's short though. It's like, it's like four hours long, I think on hmm. audiobook. <sighs> anyway, so Anything else you want to touch on before we uh, move into the MPA and you? No, no. I think I think we are ready to jump into this potentially career-ending discussion. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it started off as a, I thought we should take a look, take a moment. You know, in some of our episodes in the past, we've looked at adaptation. We've taken a break and we've looked at some of our favorite Christmas movies. And I thought we should kind of take a look at rating systems. You know, MPA in general just because it is the one that kind of uh, rules the roost when it comes to movie ratings. Um, but just kind of the, the history of rating systems, why we have them, what it means, the potential future of rating systems. Mm-hmm. Um, Lauren, you want to kick us off with maybe a little bit of a, a history of how, yeah. we, how we've gotten to where we are now? Yeah, let's... Um, first off, the MPAA, we're saying it's a rating system, but... Um, MPAA stands for the Motion Picture Association of America, in case you were wondering. Um, They began way back in 1922, I believe. Yeah. um, Where all of the major studio heads, you know, Samuel Goldwyn, Louis Mayer, um, you know, all these guys sat down. Um, There was a lot of pressure coming from Washington to censor films. And so they kind of got ahead of the ball and went, you know what, we need to have something in place Mm -hmm. um, so that it doesn't come down to governmental um, censorship. We need to kind of self-govern on this. Um, So they put together um, a, uh, let's see here, I have in my notes, uh, the Motion Picture Producers and Distributors Association of America. Yes. and so, uh, yeah, so they, they put that together, and um, they hired um, General, uh, post, former Postmaster General William Hayes. Right. Um, and they brought him in, and he put in what was called the Hayes Code, right. which was basically the governing code of censorship for films. The things you could and couldn't put in movies, things you, words you couldn't use, mm-hmm. subjects you couldn't discuss... Right. Things like that, just as a blanket statement. Anybody could watch these movies. We don't want to offend anybody. Right. So there was, there was, it was self-censorship, but it was still a level of censorship. Yeah. And to be fair, a lot of, uh, a lot of films worked within that code and figured out really ingenious ways to mm-hmm. say the same things without saying it. So there's, there's a lot of having those stipulations in place did cause quite a bit of creativity mm-hmm. among filmmakers, which is quite an interesting thing. And we may get into that in the discussion later, or may not. But I wanted to state it here because it's it no. is it is a fascinating thing. Well, well, let's let's take a let's take a small right. moment because there, it, it is really interesting to watch. That's been surprising to me as we've gone through some of these movies to see these movies that came out during that time of the Hayes Code, mm-hmm. but to see those subjects still approach is like oh wow they are talk. I know exactly what they're talking about, but they're not using explicit language. They're not actually showing it. But nobody is doubting at all what's going on. It a lot of a lot of artists agree that uh, working within confines leads to a lot of artistic creativity and ingenuity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Which is it's just very. Um, it's neither here nor there towards what right. we have today, but it's it is just a fascinating um, a fascinating thing and and. Uh, I don't know, one of my favorite things to look at in older movies, you know, up through the mid-60s, is kind of this concept of, you know, how do they say things? You know, how do they imply that a character is is gay? Or how do they Mm -hmm. imply that sex was happening? Or how do they get around, you know, rape? Or or whatever, you know, what, how do they how do they say these things without saying them? And and there's, it is very fascinating Mm -hmm. uh, how a perfectly acceptable um, family movie 
uh, also can have all of those themes in it. Yeah. Um, So yeah, um, basically the Hayes Code marched on uh, until the mid-60s. They did change um, the head of the organization there, but the Hayes Code stayed in place. Um, They also changed uh, the name... um, in let's see when did they do that uh in 19 or during after 1945 sometime i don't have an exact date written down but they changed it to finally the motion picture association of america the mpaa because right. uh, really the previous thing was much more unwieldy um and uh also the mission of the mpaa kind of grew uh in basically after world war ii um it started growing because interest in american films was growing worldwide at that point mm-hmm. and so part of the mission of the mpaa um was the promotion of american films it wasn't just right it wasn't just censoring it was like let's also promote these abroad and and mm-hmm. locally and try to get them promote them protect yes. them yes um, anyhow, and then it was in the 1960s, uh, 1966, uh, when Jack Valenti became the mm-hmm. new MPA president. And he stayed president uh, until 2004. Right. And during his tenure, there was quite a lot of change that happened yeah. uh, going on. Uh, for instance, they got rid of the Hayes Code, mm-hmm. and they implemented... Um, the rating system that we currently have. Um, there Which were was some, like, what, like in like 1968 or something? Yes. Um, yeah, they, in 68 they founded the Voluntary Film Rating System. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, uh, they said that they wanted to provide freedom to filmmakers, mm-hmm. while at the same time providing useful information to parents or decision makers right. um, about what was going to go on in a movie. So they created the ratings that we know now. Um, they added PG a little bit later in. But, yeah. Or there's, PG-13. Yeah, there's been a general a, evolution yes, of the yes, letters. You had, you had G, PG, R, mm-hmm. and I think X, which later changed to NC-17. Yeah, I think it started off as like as G, M, R. Like, people, like yeah. there was like a general, there was a mature, and there was like and the parents were confused, like, well, what's what's worse? Is it ma- is mature or adult worse? Like, okay, well, it's G and PG. And, right. And, and then they added PG-13 in. And yeah. Anyhow, it's, it's gone through several changes. But basically, we all know it today yeah. as what it is. Um, and yeah, uh, then in there have been, in the last couple of years, in 2004, we had um, Dan Glickman, who was elected, the uh, or who was appointed as the chairman and CEO, mm-hmm. and now we have Chris Dodd, who, yes. is, um, who is in that position. Um, so yeah, that's kind of a rough Brings us to today, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because, yeah, like you said, not a lot has really changed since 1968. There's been little changes, like, like you know, mm-hmm. adding the PG-13, which took place in 1984, I believe it was, because of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and Gremlins. Um, Steven Spielberg basically went to the MPA and was like, hey, we need a rating um, that is in between PG and R, because clearly there's going to be violence and content that's a little bit worse than pg but it's not R-rated. Indiana Jones movie isn't an R-rated movie. But, it, you know, it is scarier and has content than, you know, a PG movie does. So thus, the PG-13 was created. Um, which, is what, which is really funny to go back and watch early 80s movies. Like, uh, the two that come to mind are Top Gun and Spaceballs. Mm-hmm. And, which have a lot of PG-13 content. But it's just, it's PG. It's, you know, quote-unquote, no worse than, you know whatever <laughs> some family film um the, the 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 rating system is something i kind of took for granted and that's kind of what uh has kind of inspired this conversation is i didn't really think about it growing up i just kind of knew pg-13 was worse than pg and r was a movie i could not watch <laughs> you know without my parents express permission i remember the first couple r-rated movies i watched with my parents and it was it was a big deal i couldn't believe it but they were kind of going we've already seen these movies scott we're going to watch them together now because we think you'll like them and they're good but they do have this 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 and this in them um but when i got into film school uh things kind of seemed to change my my understanding of the rating systems began to change because certain things stopped making sense or certain things 
started becoming more apparent. Like there were certain PG-13 movies that did not feel like PG-13 movies. I'm like, this should have been R or why is this PG-13? This is super, super light. Um, or why is this R-rated movie R-rated? This, this could have passed as a PG-13 movie. Um, and so we have this, and it, it, we have this rating system now from the MPAA, which is enforced and upholded by theater, uh, theater managers or owners across the nation, uh, which I'm starting to feel like isn't as super helpful as it once was. Or Yeah, well, let me, let me jump in here. I think, to preface everything, in general, I love the concept of what the MPAA should exist for. Yes. I like the idea of, of an industry self-governing itself and putting um, options in place for parents and decision makers to mm-hmm. understand uh, how they can how they can approach movies and know know how to get them without know what they're getting into know, without know having to into. sit through the whole thing and then decide right. I don't want my child to see this right. I didn't want to see this I wish I had been warned <laughs> right so I think that is a very valuable service in general and and I think it's fairly obviously valuable because every country basically around the world has some form of this in place. Um, some of them are a little more voluntary than others. Some of them are state run. Mm-hmm. It depends where you go. Um, but, but pretty much everyone has some kind of system in place to go, you know what, here's what you're getting in for with this yeah. movie. Um, I think where I have issue, if you will, with kind of the direction that the MPA has headed is that, I don't, I don't feel they have necessarily kept up with where we are today as a society. And I don't mean that as much from a content standpoint, but I mean that from a technological standpoint. Um, it really feels that the ratings of the films could be incredibly more transparent than they are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you see, a, you see a movie trailer. And you might get a, a like the Hunger, the Hunger Games came out. And I think it said something like uh, violence PG thirteen due to violence violence with teenagers, um, you know, alcohol use and something else, yeah. thematic thematic elements elements or something, yeah. which are all valid statements about the movie. Um, but that says it doesn't really give you a picture of what what does that actually is mean really going on. Well, like, I think. <laughs> I think my favorite rating was on the the recent Willy Wonka movie. Mm-hmm. I, if I remember correctly, it was like rated PG due to strangeness and general wackiness. I was like, there was something I got to look it up. It was this really <laughs> bizarre rating. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, that's just silly. You know, but they rated it PG due to basically it being Tim Burton, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> due to Burton esque situations. Um, uh, and see, yeah, and I agree because I think there was a time like, well, let's let's just pick on the late '80s where you didn't have the internet, you didn't have so much information at your disposal, so you had the MPA basically needing to get the most amount of information to viewers as quickly as possible, as succinct as possible. You, they didn't have a website where you could follow that up and go, what does that mean? What does you know th- thematic elements mean? Because thematic elements, I'm not even sure what those two words together, you know, what does that mean? Um, but now we have so much at our disposal. We have people who can go and watch a movie on opening day, review it, and post everything about it for the whole world to read the same day. You know, you can a movie can be completely spoiled within two hours of it opening due to Twitter or Facebook. So it seems like you're right. The NPA hasn't kept up as far as when it comes to the rating system that they implement. Because if you go to the NPA's website, you're not going to get any more information uh, than what they've posted on the Green Band trailer in movie theaters. It's PG 13 due to violence and thematic elements. Like, well, thank you. What does that mean? Exactly. <laughs> like, I need it. I need more. Yeah. Um, and interestingly enough, there are organizations that are providing more. For instance, there's the Common Sense Media um, group, which provides ratings. Uh, like, if you if you have a Netflix subscription, not every movie on Netflix, but quite a number of them will have a Common Sense rating um, that you can see right underneath the MPA rating on the page. It may say something like uh, 14 plus or 12 plus or something like that, and it's okay. usually color-coded. Yeah. Um, 
you know, Sorry, and they, just to interrupt, I found it. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is rated PG for quirky situations. <laughs> I mean, quirky situations, action, and mild language. The mild language is, seems like the most legitimate because I'm not sure how action or quirky situations <laughs> leads to PG because I just don't know what that means. <laughs> this is so, kind of quirky. I, I think a parent should be around for this. <laughs> this is not the norm. <laughs> this is quirky enough. A parent should watch this with their child. <laughs> um, so yeah, so, that's, yeah, that's common sense media. Common sense media. But um, you know, and I, I like quite a lot of what they do. And I know there's other organizations as well. I don't mean to just single them out. But at the same time, I really like what they do because you can you can jump in and get there's almost a full article on every movie mm-hmm. <laughs> you can you can get the gist of it if all you're looking for is kind of that rating there is there is that one rating just like you would see with a mpa rated film you know there is that but it's it's even a little a little better because it's specifically like here's the age we feel roughly can mm-hmm. start watching this movie um you know, and so there's kind of a, a an even finer tuning of the rating, if you will. And mm-hmm. then if you click on it, you can read an entire page of essay about why the film is what it is. You know, right. complete with like little specific ratings on like how much violence is in it, how much sexuality is in it, how much um, you know alcohol use, how much cigarette use, how much uh, authority or disrespect general to, to tone, authority or you know, general because- tone or yeah. There's because there, I mean there's there's a world of a difference between well let, let's pick on two movies that you and I both have recently watched uh, Titanic and Chaplin mm-hmm. two PG thirteen movies that have content in it that with a different a slightly different approach or tone would have pushed both of those movies into rated R territory sure absolutely Chaplin was I I, was, I forgot how much nudity is in the movie Chaplin mm-hmm. both sexual and just sensual or just commonplace because at the beginning of the movie we see that he's working on vaudeville and there's a changing room and he goes into a room with like four or five half-dressed women and you go oh and they're just getting changed and so it's not super sexual yet charlie clearly enjoys being there you know Mm -hmm. and likewise with titanic everybody's familiar with the nudity in titanic but you know both chaplin and titanic also have the f word uh chaplin doesn't have any violence in it uh, that I remember, but Titanic has a lot of people dying horrible deaths. Mm-hmm. But we've kind of decided both of those movies are PG thirteen, and I I don't disagree. But I could definitely see some people going, "This is not PG thirteen. I would not want my thirteen year old watching, you know, this these kind of actions." And so it, it's a, a, a site, even if we don't go with the common sense media website. But I, I would really, I, would, I wish the MPAA or somebody would uh, would go more of that route of kind of going, okay, there is nudity in this, so it's not just, it's not the same thing as watching the Transformers movies or uh, Indiana Jones. There is more content in it than that. But the whole thing is kind of this historical perspective on things, and it's approached in a slightly documentary style that, you know, doesn't elicit the kind of, you know, sensuality that this movie does or that movie does that kind of information i think is really helpful because that's the kind of thing that it would prepare me as a parent let's say if my son was like hey i want to watch chaplin i love those movies and i would go okay well he's going to watch this and there's this scene this scene and this scene that's fair and it's i I now understand it's in this tone so that allows me to have to be able to approach the conversation in that way just go well you know that's kind of how it was in the theater in those days Mm -hmm. and you know whatever whatever um where i suppose you go to the mpa website like i said there's a shocking lack of information there and in the 21st century that seems i hate to be over dramatic but that seems unacceptable <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah the um interestingly it's uh there's also an interesting um an interesting aspect to all of this that the mpaa does not exist necessarily to represent individual movies well, but rather it exists as an arm of the film industry. Right. Um, which I think is, is something also quite interesting to look at with all of this. Um, because, you know, as part of its core values of, and, and mission, um, 
you know, it really is to advance the business and art of filmmaking and its enjoyment around the world. That's that's their stated mission on the website. And so ratings is, at this point, is really kind of a side of what they do. It's not, you know, it's, it's maybe their most public thing that they do, mm-hmm. but it's not necessarily... Their focus anymore. Their focus anymore. Um, you know, in the last 10 years or so, there has been a major shift... Um, to working with um, digital media, um, mm-hmm. and specifically in the in the realm of copyright theft, and yeah, the, um, they they had a big part in that crackdown on Pirate Bay that took place, yeah, and intellectual property rights and that kind of thing. Um, it seems to me that if that's the case, if that's where they if the, if they are really just an arm of the the studio system, then it kind of seems like maybe the rating system needs to be given to someone else or just even if it's still part of the mpaa they go hey you know what we're gonna go put this over here in this corner and we want you guys to do that um but we're gonna go do this over here because it does seem i don't know it seems like more effort needs to be put into it and it also just a little bit seems a little disingenuous that you know basically these people who run disney who run universal and all these other places are the ones who are also running the rating system you know it almost seems like it needs to be more of an independent body Who's going? Okay, so Hollywood made this movie, and we kind of think, "Hey, guys, this is a you know, this is a thirteen movie, or this is a PG thirteen movie, uh, R rated movie." Do do this, this, and this, and it's they say because they're up to this point. I know Chris Dodd recently said they wanted more transparency with the rating system. Up to this point, there's been very little transparency. Right. There's there's a fascinating documentary that came out in two thousand five called "This Film Is Not Yet Rated." Um, <laughs> Which, granted, that's, you know, several years old at this point, and, and I don't want to base, um, you know, all thoughts about the MPAA on this single film. Because um, we don't honestly know how much has changed since then, but it has been seven years. But it, Right. Um, but at the time, um, you know, it was very much... It, it, the MPAA is a very closed system. For instance, if you as a filmmaker submit your film to the MPAA for a rating, they will send you back a rating. There won't be any notes on that rating no um is, is specifically what they say is they will give is they you do not provide notes they give you those four bullet points that they're going to put on the trailer <laughs> mm-hmm. um and um interestingly enough um in this documentary there's kind of this process that they go through um where you know they are doing an independent film and they are categorically told you know no notes um, whereas they talked to other filmmakers who, uh, specifically, um, the, uh, uh, who is it? Matt Parker and Trey Stone. Yeah. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Behind, uh, South Park. South Park. Um, as they, as they go between a couple of movies, you know, they started with kind of an independent film and again, they got no notes on it. Um, and then when they moved into Team America World Police, which was a, you know, major studio backed film, they suddenly were getting all kinds of notes. So it also seems like there's a certain level of um, unfairness in this closed system to independent artists. Right. And that's, um, that's kind of what I was saying, that because they're working with Universal, Universal is right. there going, we want to make $200 million off this movie. And the MPA is going, well, if you want to make $200 million, you need a PG 13 or an R rating. Mm-hmm. So what we're going to do is tell you make these cuts, these cuts, these cuts. When a little independent guy shows up, they don't care as much about that guy because he's they're not make, they're not making money for Universal basically, which is who has a much larger uh, much larger presence in that MPA system, and so they give right. them far fewer notes. They kind of care a little bit less. They go, well, we're not going to we're not we're not here to censor you. We're not here to tell you what to differences to, changes to make, but you are getting an NC seventeen, which means you won't be released in our theaters. Mm-hmm. Right, and and at the time that that movie came out, um, let's say you did want to appeal your um, film that. Um got a NC-17 or an R rating or whatever, the the people on the a board that you would go and appeal to uh, were people who were like the CEO of 20th Century Fox or film oh, buyers right. for the Regal Entertainment Group or, um, you know, the vice president of sales for AMC theaters or, you know, these are people who were very much um, had, have a definite interest in the business of film as opposed to necessarily helping independent artists. I mean, I'm not saying that there's necessarily malice or, 
anything like that intended out of this either. I, I'm not no. trying to paint paint that either, um, or give these people specific motives. It's just it is a closed system of which there is no there is no public record and there is no transparency right. for the filmmaker. So there's no no way to know what people are saying about your film or anything like that. Right. Um, which is a very frustrating aspect to me of the rating system. If if anything, this to me is worse than the actual rating system itself. Um, yes. You, you know, um, it seems to me that, that a filmmaker should get back, you know, pages of notes that say, you know what, in minute seven of your movie, um, when this action scene happened, there was this amount of blood and that combined with the you know 300 other times that that happened in this movie moved you from uh pg-13 into r or whatever you know it's just it's you know that much violence uh it just seems like there could be a very clear understanding of what yeah this and that's what that was also what's interesting about that documentary are the some of the filmmakers who go into their movie thinking they're making an r-rated movie they go you know what i am making an r-rated film that's okay but it needs to be that mature and for them to get hit with an nc-17 rating which i want to talk about here in a second as well um it's like if i feel like as a filmmaker if i sit down to make a movie i should have the kind of confidence to know i am making this kind of movie it's going to have this rating i am okay with that Mm -hmm. and it seems weird to have someone to kind of come by later and go oh actually you made a movie that's far worse you know i feel like i should have a checklist to be able to go i you know we have this kind of tone which is going to push this make this this then this worse but it's gonna make this this and this better which should keep us in that wonderful pg-13 rating that everybody kind of seems to want it seems strange to me exactly um the other yeah no, go for it. Well, I was going to say, the other part of this system that, that frustrates me is that we have these other ratings that don't really mean anything or that they don't do any good for anybody, which is specifically the NC-17 rating. Mm-hmm. It exists, but um, most mo- major movie theater chains will not play an NC-17 film. They right. said, we are not interested in showing that because NC-17 may mean... Um, you know, graphic sex or really graphic violence, and we're just not interested in showing that. So now we have a rating that really is useless. <laughs> you know, it's like I feel like, it, and so you, when when you get rid of a, an extra rating that exists, that means all movies that are going to be shown are have to fall into G, PG, PG thirteen, and R. Right. And I don't feel like that's enough of a difference. Right. And to to clarify the difference between an R and an NC-17, an R movie says it is a restricted film to which children are only allowed with an adult companion. Right. NC-17, no children at all under 17. Even with a parent, you don't get that choice. They will not be allowed in the theater. That's the theory. But only really small art house theaters are showing Mm NC-17 films. Um, and there's actually some decent NC-17 films out there that kind of deserve to be distributed. Like, for example, Saving Private Ryan, when it was first uh, submitted to the MPAA, was given an NC-17 rating due to its graphic violence. Steven Spielberg went into the MPA and was like, come on, guys, this is an important movie. I can't re-edit this. It needs to be shown this way. And the MPA went, okay, it's rated R. So, I mean, and that's, but that's the only difference. It was just Spielberg appealed to their, to the importance of the historical context of the D-Day, D-Day invasion and the overall story of World War II, and they changed the rating. But content-wise, the MPA believed it had NC-17 content, and nothing changed, so, and it was released as an R-rated film. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that NC-17 movie, we should put that rating on there because Saving Private Ryan, that first 30 minutes, has some really grisly stuff in it that puts it far beyond uh, even Braveheart, which has a lot of violence in it. I mean, Saving Private Ryan is really rough. Mm-hmm. You know, It is not your standard R-rated war movie. No, so exactly. why, why don't we allow, why don't theaters allow the NC-17 to exist, but I kind of why well, I, I kind of have my theory basically is that they don't because they don't want to be the ones to police who's going into these rooms to watch Saving Private Ryan. But right. I, feel like, I feel like if there was more education and a little bit more effort, you could have the NC-17 rating and it could exist in 
major motion picture theaters. And then you could still have that R rating, that PG-13, the PG, the G, and all of those would become, they would mean more. But right now it's kind of hard to, when you try to divide something, which is like with politics right now, America is far too large to only have two parties, but somehow we've decided everybody's either one or the other, and that's just ridiculous. I kind of feel the same way with movies. We have more categories, but I don't feel like we still have enough. And because of that, you have these movies that you have these PG 13 movies, like even uh, the dark Knight uh, movie. I really love it's a hard PG 13. There's a couple scenes in that, that I would not be comfortable with my 12 year old seeing, <laughs> you know, I go, Ooh, this is, let's wait a little bit. I know it's PG 13. Let's wait till you're 15 <laughs> to get into mm-hmm. this uh, Joker chaos, <laughs> chaotic. Mindset. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's definitely kind of one of those things where, um, it seems that the categories are very broad and the films themselves can fit inside a spectrum within those ratings. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of one of those things, uh, you know, the MPA kind of says that, um, you know, parents find the ratings very useful and and I have no doubt that they Mm do. Um, but the flip side to that is that they find it useful because there isn't necessarily anything better in place. Right. Um, you know, I, I don't think parents are dumb people, and I think that there could be a certain level of, um, you know, acceptance of, of something that worked better. And I would love for the MPAA even to be the organization that did that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the movie Bully just came out right. here recently, and um, which is probably where you've heard most of this discussion recently, is, is in regards to this movie. Um, you know, when it was first rated, it received an R rating from the MPAA, um, specifically because there was one scene in it um, that is pretty graphic and contains some very strong language. Um, that uh, it, the key to the scene is that it's one teenage boy speaking with this language to another teenage boy. You know, it's 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 real footage. It's you know not. It's not created footage for a movie. It's real footage of this happening. And, um, you know, the the R rating was because this language was too strong. The problem with that is that the movie Bully is truly intended for a teenage audience. It's yeah. it's intended to help stop bullying in schools and, and you know, bullying among teenagers and even younger, it, it, you know, for that matter. But, you know, specifically, that is kind of the, the point of the movie and um, the purpose of its existence. So this was a huge quandary for the filmmakers. You know, what do you do with this scene and what do you do with this movie? Um, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it, it's it's... Things like that, where you know you, you need to have the ability to very closely examine the process and understand how something happens. I feel um, because it it even um, you know that that is you were you were saying that um, Chris Dodd um, commented about needing more openness and transparency, mm-hmm. and it was in regard specifically to this movie. Um, that, um, you know, he was saying that because there was so much debate over this and so much, um, trying to understand how this was happening to this movie that, that clearly, you know, was just representing the reality of what is actually happening to teens in our country today. Mm -hmm. Um, and yet somehow teens in our country were not going to be able to watch it. Um, right. So yeah, it's it's definitely a a uh, mixed bag at, at best, I would say. Yeah. Well, and thankfully, though, parents do seem to pay attention to the MPA rating, unlike another rating system, which I know <laughs> we have <laughs> talked about, the ESRB, which is right. video games. Which is, it's another it's another self regulating uh, rating system. Um, for video games and uh, honestly actually this is an interesting side note to this conversation is that there used to be the comic book authorities um, rating system which recently um, has basically been dissolved but comic books used to also carry ratings to warn parents and buyers 
and they did that to prevent themselves from being censored by the government and recently they just kind of went you know what we're done with this this is dumb <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, but uh, video games you have, yeah, the, you have in, the E, the T, the M, and the A. And just like the uh, movie rating system, you never see the adult-only video game get made because yeah. they will not be sold by GameStop or in the mall or wherever. Yeah, very, very rarely do you see that. Um, the uh, Yeah, it's interesting. There, there was a recent survey done where basically 64% of parents do not check the age restrictions on their video games. They do right. not check the rating at all. Um, and then 55% of parents who who do not check do not even think that the restrictions matter. Right. So, you know, that means that what, like, like 35% of parents don't even think that age restrictions on video games matter. And as someone who plays video games, let me tell you, the age restrictions matter significantly. Yes. The the content in video games is now no different than any given movie. Not not even no different. More graphic, I would say. Uh, Yes, I agree. And but I'm, I, I say no different. Just to kind of really drive home the point, you can buy a G-rated video game, and as mm-hmm. much as you can find a G-rated movie, and you can find very explicit R-rated video games very easily. Mm-hmm. And I would almost say there's more. You know, it's the M rating technically mm-hmm. for video games, but I would say they're more prevalent than R-rated movies at this point. Um, yeah, I, I would agree because people don't care. It seems they put that rating on there to notify people. Um, but I've mentioned it before on this podcast, I work at McKay Used Books. I am the video game director there. I am in charge of all the video game prices and shelving and organization that takes place in my store. And I get a lot of questions. Uh, usually it's kids just looking for games. Just going, oh, hey, where's your new Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3? I can't find it. Um, but every once in a while, very specifically, earlier this year, a, a mom came up with her 8-year-old boy and she had a stack of video games. And she's like, he wants these games. Do you think these are okay for an eight-year-old to play? And I don't feel like it's my position to tell somebody, no, do not let your child play this game. It is Mm -hmm. terrible. Everybody gets to make their own decisions, and every child matures at a different rate, and so they might be totally cool with it. I personally would not buy these games, but she was holding up Dragon Age, uh, or Dragon Age 2, one of them. The one that has the white cover with the big dragon made out of blood. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's that's Dragon Age too. Okay, so she's like she's got this game. She goes, "Do you think this would be okay for him?" Or and I'm like, "It's one of the Dragon Age games, yeah." <laughs> so I kind of went, "Well, you know, there is a dragon on the cover made out of blood." So that probably tells you a little bit something about it. She's like, "Well, I just don't know." I go, "Well, it's also rated M, which is equivalent to your R rating." And she just didn't quite. It wasn't until I said that that she kind of went, "Oh, so this might be." I'm like, if you're comfortable with your child watching R-rated movies, if you're cool with your child uh, watching Game of Thrones, you might be cool playing Dragon Age. <laughs> you know, it's like... Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of sunk in a little bit, but she kind of went, okay, well, put that one away, but still bought him, you know, Call of Duty. That one's okay. And it's really interesting, you know, people's approach to these games because there's some really horrendous stuff happening in some of these video games. I know everybody picks on Grand Theft Auto, but let's just pick on Call of Duty for a second because mm-hmm. there's you know, a lot of violence, a really a lot of graphic heads exploding, limbs being blown off of people, violence that people are okay with because mm-hmm. it's a war situation. Yeah, blood, <laughs> blood spatters everywhere and yeah, but I mean they, they splatter on it'll splatter on the screen when you get shot. Um, and there's also a I'm starting to find it slightly uh some of these games I'm starting to find a little bit disturbing because of some of the subtle slash latent racism mm-hmm. in the games. Just because it's like, okay, guys, this is a, a real war we're actually fighting. I don't know if we need to make a video game about this war just mm-hmm. yet. We're not done yet. Yeah. Do we There's need also? Do we need to foster these feelings in ten year olds? Yeah. There's also a level of you know a lot of these games are intended to play online with other people, mm-hmm. and you can't necessarily control the interactions that they are going to have online. And yeah, um, and that, that warning comes up in front of almost every game now. Yeah, and you know, quite quite frankly, I mean, you know, I have I'm someone with a pretty hard skin, and I have had some really rough interactions with people online. You know, um, mm-hmm. 
in in some of my online gaming. I mean, language at at a bare minimum is something that whoever is playing the game will encounter mm-hmm. um, among other players. Yeah, um, you know. Uh, and that's not the worst necessarily of what can happen, which is not to say that you shouldn't play games online or anything like that. You know, there's a lot of fun to be had in that as well. Absolutely, it's just, it's just that there are there are things to be aware of as a part of of this process. I'm, yeah, just like I'm, there are with movies. I, yeah, I'm not sure why video games have kind of gotten this free pass by parents. I almost wonder if it's because some of these the parents who are buying the video games they go, oh, it's a video game, and they imagine Mario. They imagine mm-hmm. Donkey Kong. They imagine, you know, some of those 1970s and 80s video games. They go, oh, it's got shooting in it. Eh, it's just like Mario with his firepower. Not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's different now. <laughs> games have gone a different direction than where they started. Um, but honestly, I, I do approve of the rating system that video games have. People need to pay attention to them a little bit more, though. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They do matter. They are there for a reason. And we're not here to say that you should censor your child or whatever. Educate yourself. <laughs> yeah. Um, just jumping on that. Uh, in in Britain, they have the BBFC, mm-hmm. um, which is the British equivalent of, of the MPAA. And uh, they actually have an iPhone app that you can... That's cool. ...that you can pull up, and you can look up a movie. It will tell you the, all the details of exactly why it got the rating it did. Um, That's fantastic. Whether, whether cuts were made to get the rating, etc. And they have a podcast that they do. Where they talk about how they rate different categories, controversial decisions they've made, um, all that kind of thing. So there's even a that's there's an incredible openness. Say that's in the really British fantastic system. because I do know uh, Britain and Ireland both. They are not afraid to ban a movie entirely. Just go, nope, thanks Hollywood, we're not showing it here. <laughs> you know, they're not afraid to do that. Um, I would love for the MPA to get on board with that idea. Just if nothing else, just the app, just to mm-hmm. go. Okay, we know we told you violence involving teens. This is what we mean by that. A child gets shot in the throat with an arrow. That's horrendous. You know, mm-hmm. good to know. I go. Oh, it's that sort of movie. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that is. I, t- to me, that is some of the major issues I have with the MPAA. That said, I don't think any of this is insurmountable. I, you know, no. I, I don't feel the organization in and of itself is intended to be evil or intended to be a draconian, uh, you know, force or whatever. Uh, obviously, it does exist to serve Hollywood's needs, but I don't think that is that in and of itself is an evil thing either. No. It's, you know, uh, uh, it's okay for an industry to have an advocate for itself. I, I don't Absolutely. see that being a problem. Um as long as, as long as that advocacy and as long as that um, attention to itself doesn't cut out uh, smaller independent people or um, you know really really force um, it is a, for things too far in certain directions. It is a thankless, difficult job they have. It um, is because I do feel like really what I would like to see. I think they're serving Hollywood's needs very well right now. From what I can tell, it looks like things are going well. What I would like for them to to push themselves further is to bridge that gap to the rest of America or to the rest of the world. Because I, I do see themselves in this position of kind of being this bridge between Hollywood and uh, Tennessee, where they have to kind of, now they while they're looking out for Hollywood, they also have to inform me and help me and educate me on what is the content of this film. Mm-hmm. And so I would like to see that. And that's, again, that's not, I don't think, a very difficult thing because you have these reviewers, you have people that are already doing a lot of this, just share some of that information um, before the movie's released. Let us know what we're getting ourselves into. Mm -hmm. Most of us probably don't care. You know, I'm at an age now, I'm 31, if the trailer looks cool, I'm going to check it out. Mm -hmm. But I would like to have a heads up sometimes that, hey, just so you know, it's going to get really rough about halfway through, but it gets better. Yeah, whatever. And if I and if I have kids, you know that kind of thing is going to be even extra yeah. important to me. Exactly. Um, the uh, you know do that, and and I think the other thing for me is is they really should exist at least partially to help the filmmaker. I you know absolutely. I, I feel that that openness and transparency in that process can only help the filmmaker make a better product. It's absolutely. you know it's it's much easier. You know, and again, it, the last time I've I've seen specific reporting on this has been what eight years ago. We said something like that. So yeah. you know, I'm willing to believe that they have gotten better since then. I just haven't seen specific 
I feel, documentation of this. Right. I feel like they, they need to be an institution that is able to be approached by anyone. If it's, you know, Christopher Nolan going, hey, in this next movie, I want Batman to do this thing. Would that be too much? The MPA could go, well, just so you know, if you show that graphically, yes, that will be an R rating. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Good to know, MPAA. And likewise, mm-hmm. I can approach them and go, hey, why did you give this this rating? That seems odd. And they could, they could mm-hmm. re- direct me to their page and go, this, read this article. This explains our stance. We stand by it. They need to be. They need to be approached by everybody that they're kind of working with, which is a daunting task. Exactly. Um, so, I mean, to, to me, that's kind of my summation of it. I, I think it's in a much better place than straight censorship. I mean, at, at this point, they're not banning movies because of content. They are merely putting various ratings on them. And while certain ratings can mean a kiss of death theatrically, there are, you know, alternative distribution methods and stuff. So it's not it's not the end of everything, but at the same time, you know, it definitely it definitely can be a problem for some films. Mm-hmm. Um and um, you know, and some of those films can be important films that maybe need to to get made and have their stories told. So, um, you know, better than censorship, but can it still be better than what it is today? Yes, that's that. I think is is what we maybe is really the purpose of why we're recording this is yeah. is you know to keep this conversation going and to to really encourage them to. Uh, you know, grow as as a group. I, I think that there is room to grow here into the 21st century um, as technology breaks down barriers and as, uh, you know, both to entry for new filmmakers into making movies as, um, you know, uh, new forms of distribution, you know, YouTube and Vimeo well, exactly. and those kinds of places are coming up that have no rating system whatsoever and you can find any content you want there, basically. Um, you know, there's there's new distribution methods and, and all kinds of things coming through and it, it seems that the MPAA is in a place where they have provided a certain service for a very long time that has gotten better over the course of that time. Mm-hmm. And there is definitely the opportunity for them to grow into an even better organization than they are today. Absolutely. I do. I, I completely agree. And I would just add that I think all of this is important for them to address because they, I, I feel, due to the new ways people can distribute their films or their product, they have the potential to fall out of relevancy. Um, because as it is, you walk into Best Buy and half the shelf already claims, unrated, you know. Exactly. We are not submitting this movie to the MPAA. Screw the MPAA. You know, and you have movies like Requiem for a Dream. They're like, well, we're releasing this anyway. They wanted it R and they wouldn't let us show it in theaters, but this is a movie we can't edit. So as more content comes out that that is that way, and if I go, you know what, I'm not submitting this to the MPAA. I'm just putting this on my website to sell. I feel like the MPAA needs to be a part of that and have a system in place that would allow for independent people like me to be able to distribute something and go, I've shown this to the people at the MPAA, or from my own understanding from the MPAA, it has this rating. Um, Mm -hmm. And they can't necessarily view every single thing that gets posted on YouTube, but there's some content out there that probably should carry a rating, because it's going to be pretty widely watched, but not governed in any way on the Mm -hmm. internet. It's it's interesting, and I, I, I kind of hope they step up to the challenge, because if they don't, I think somebody will because this, it, you know, I, you're right. People like the rating system. Parents do go, thank you for this. Mm-hmm. Um, we we do need this, and mm-hmm. if they don't do it, I think someone else will. It's just a matter of will it be an enforceable thing, or will it just be like this? Oh, go to this website because you know we talk about uh, um, uh, common sense media. We talked about that, but there's a mm-hmm. lot of other websites. You know, there's you know there's one I used to visit that was a Christian-run website that you know kind of helped uh, Christian families make better you know decisions on what movies they're going to watch, what positive and negative themes and messages and content were in movies. People are doing this. It's just a matter of who are they going to listen to, and it's it's possible the MPA might not be regarded mm-hmm. at a certain point. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, Scott, what? Uh, where would you say if people want to learn more about this uh, or, mm-hmm. or that kind of thing? What what can they do to find out more about what's going on with 
with the MPAA? There's a couple places you can visit. We'll post it on our website. I have a couple of links already that I've created. Um, you can read all about the history and the, of the MPAA. I found some really interesting articles. Uh, just by typing in MPA, you know, you can go to Wikipedia, which is kind of everybody's go-to, which has a, a nice uh, history of the MPA, as well as they have a whole page dedicated just to the rating system mm-hmm. and the evolution of the rating system. And, like, some of the criticisms and that kind of thing. Exactly. Well. That's all there. Um, Common Sense Media is a great website that I think people should mm-hmm. check out. Um, I think it's commonsensemedia.org or commonsense.org. It'll, it'll be a link. But, you know, Google yeah. it. You'll, it's, like, one of the first things you're going to find. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's the Voluntary Media Rating System as well, which is um, a system created by U.S.-based filmmakers mm-hmm. who are frustrated with the MPAA and don't want to release their movie unrated. So you can put the Voluntary Media right. rating on it. So anyway, that's, that's kind of another... Um, uh, there's the documentary, This Film Is Not Yet Rated, which in the documentary, the man talks about how the MPA gave him an NC-17 rating <laughs> due to uh, sexual content, I think it was. So... It's a great documentary, but it does show you a lot of footage that is rated NC-17. Mm-hmm. Um, so c- kind of go into it knowing that, but it's a fascinating look at at least where the MPA was in 2005. Um, it may or may not still be there, but if you go online, like I was looking at, <laughs> when you go to Wikipedia's page, a lot of its information comes from the documentary. <laughs> it's kind of mm-hmm. interesting. Um, yeah, so there's lots of places you can go, lots of things you can, you know, I, I, if nothing else out of this conversation, I just, I would like for people to educate themselves and, you know, look some of this up, be familiar, because, you know, we all love movies, and these ratings do kind of mean something. Um, they mean something in the broader scope of the discussion between, you know, uh, censorship versus the freedom of speech, and why it's more important to have a rating system than censorship. Mm-hmm. But then it's also important to know just what some of these ratings actually mean. I know growing up, my mom was always confused by which is worse, PG or PG-13. You know, so re-familiarize yourself with what kind of content you might be getting into when that movie is rated PG-13. You know, is that just a light R or is that a hard PG? You know, there's there's information out there, and it's I think it's super important that uh, you kind of familiarize yourself with it. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, well, that is... That is it. <laughs> yeah, that is our discussion uh, for the day. Like I said, we'll have we'll have lots of uh, stuff up on our website um, for you to, uh, you know, figure out more or to join in the conversation or or to just to, to learn more or whatever. Um, we will we will have a, a hefty page full of stuff for this Absolutely. one. Absolutely. Um, so you can find that at moviesyoushouldlove.com. And, uh, you know, let us know in the comments there what you think Your about all of this. this yeah yeah because we know this can be a, a bit of a controversial issue um you know there's people who have uh major issues with the mpa for other reasons even than stuff we've talked about today yeah. so you know feel free to get into whatever you want to um oh yeah they're talking about this so there's a couple big things we didn't talk about which we don't have to here but we would love to if it's something that concerns you yeah so um you know let us know what you think um movies you should love.com you can also talk to us on our facebook at uh, facebook.com slash movies you should or on twitter at movies you should um and then yeah and uh come back next week when we will actually talk about all the president's spin as we promised last week right yeah we uh we skipped a uh, added an extra thing in here yeah. but um yeah we will love to see you next time and uh thanks for listening You've been listening to the Movies You Should Love podcast. Join in the conversation at moviesyoushouldlove.com. 